Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge where I have with me artist Sun Kamenaki who has done work for Coffin Comics, Rothic Comics, and Zenscope to name a few. And that's the company that I feel that so many people know you from. So thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Now I am super excited because in the last two years you've gained a lot of attention for many of your covers. I want to talk about several of them, but before we get into them, I am curious how you initially got involved in art and drawing and really sort of fell into the comic realm. It was a natural inclination. So it really started with my dad's heavy metal collection, his heavy metal magazine. I was obsessed with them. Like I read all of them and I know I was probably way too young to be reading them, but I just loved the stories and they were just so thrilling and imaginative and all the animation on TV too. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. I want to be able to draw like that. And then that's really where it started. And I was just a kid and I was like, okay, I need some paper. I need some pencils and let's try to draw like they do you know and so now you're young and you're drawing and where did you turn to for influences and inspiration and to really up your skill set because you all start as novices and become experts like you I don't consider myself an expert. I'm still trying to get better every day, but thank you. I think what really kind of got my interest in like learning was going on DeviantArt. And I know that it's not as popular as it used to be, but back then it was the big thing and everybody was on it and sharing information and sharing their process. And I hopped in and I tried to follow some tutorials and said, okay, this is helping. That's not helping. This is, and slowly try to build, I guess, a style. I am self-taught. Like I didn't go to school for this, but I guess I just kind of tried to develop an eye for how did this person create this painting? Like, how is that done? Like, that's so fascinating to me. And like I said, I'm still learning. So hopefully get better and better each year. And I don't mean to let the cat out of the bag here, but you are a digital artist. And digital art is very different than drawing it and doing it sort of the old way 20, 25 years ago. So where did you turn to for that and to learn how to do that and really get involved in that? Because that's a whole different sector than just putting pen on paper. I definitely still do some traditional art and that's where I started when I was younger and I still do it now but when I found out digital art was a thing again through DeviantArt I was like whoa this is so cool how do they do that and of course through investigating I found out I need a tablet so I invested in that and there was already so much YouTube going on too because this was like maybe 10 years ago when it was really starting to boom and be this huge thing tutorials and such so I watched those and I'm okay cool so I think I can try that so I did and I still do some traditional art and like some Copics and stuff like that. But with the turnaround time for deadlines, I don't really have a lot of time for paint to dry. So I have to do it digitally and I can move things around until everything's perfect. And speaking about digital art, and I think this is the best place to start to talk about some of your covers. One of your first covers was Lady Death. And how did you get involved with Coffin Comics and working for that company and working on Lady Death, who is an extremely iconic character for, I think, almost three decades now? I've been obsessed with Lady Death ever since the first day I walked into a comic book store. It was Lady Death, it was Xenoscope, and it was Red Sonja Vampirella. Those were the four books that I turned to that I was like, oh, these are so cool. Like, this reminds me heavy metal, right? So it spoke to, like, when I was younger. And then I just made this goal in my head. I was like, okay, I have to do covers 
numbers for these. I have to at least get as good as everybody else's. So what happened with Coffin Comics was I painted a Lady Death. It was like a fan art piece, as well as I could possibly paint it at the time. And I'll just email it to Brian. So I found his Facebook and then I emailed it to him and I said, hey, you know, here's some fan art. I hope you enjoy it. And I didn't think that he would answer. I really didn't. But he did. And he said, this is awesome. Do you want to do a cover? And I said, yes, absolutely. I'd love to do a cover. So that's where it started. I really think that I came right place at the right time. He was just starting his Coffin Comics publishing company. So he needed some new artists at the time, I believe. So for me, it was just right time at the right place too. And let's talk a little bit more about that because Lady Death has a long history. As I just mentioned, it's obviously a soft spot for you. You lived yeah. through several different artists' interpretations of that. And your interpretation of her is different where she has whiter skin and it really glows and the arch in her hair is more prevalent. Yeah. So what made you go that direction on several of your covers versus other ways it has been done? So I'm a fan of going back in time. I've always wanted to imagine what it would be like to modernize the old heavy metal style illustrations that I hold so dearly. So I was thinking, how would Stephen Hughes, if he had a tablet, how would he paint her? Because I just love his art and the way that he painted her with this like ethereal hair and just how big it was. And it was just so beautiful. His lines were so perfect. So I thought, man, like, what would that look like if it was painted in his style? And then my style too, modernize it. And the nice thing about Coffin Comics is that you've gotten to do several Lady Death covers. And you did yeah. one where she's on a horse and she's kind of got like that purple sword thing going on and a few others. What is that like to really add to your body of work for a comic that you grew up on? It's just so surreal. I honestly, the whole time I was painting it, I was like, I can't believe I get to do this. So I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that piece was one of the pieces that I thought of. Like, I wasn't given any art direction to like think of that piece. There was a little bit of art direction afterwards. I just thought nobody's drawn her on her horse for a while. So I thought I wanted to bring Fasal go back and Brian loved it so we went for it and still talking about coffin comics since Brian loved your lady death work we just spoke about a few covers you got to work on a few other projects and I'm not as familiar with these projects and so you can enlighten me and a few others but it was Zach the zombie exterminator and La Myrta so what was it like getting to work on these projects and continuing to work for coffin comics super cool. Zach was really cool. I wanted it to have an old painterly kind of look. You've seen it, right? Where he's just got this look on his face. He's like, oh my god, I gotta deal with all these zombies coming at me. And I wanted to have a comedic kind of aspect to it. So that was fun. La Muerta, she's just so beautiful and so dark and just a really deep character. So I really wanted to show that, show her pain in her face. So I had a lot of fun with that one too. And her hair and everything. I wanted to keep the colors really muted. I wanted to give it that real Mexican vibe. Like, Keep it muted with the red popping. And now going beyond Coffin Comics, and I do want to touch briefly on Rothic Comics, because they are very similar to Zen Scope, as well as Coffin Comics to some degree, where they have to find their own audience, and they have a unique audience in the comics they are aimed at. And you did a few covers for them, and JP is a very cool woman to know, and I would imagine she's cool to work for to some degree. What was it like developing covers for these comics in this company? It was just so easy because all three of us, so there was Dawn, JP, and I, and we're all the same. We wear the same things. We were just so similar in that sense, so it was easy for us to agree on something. It was just a breeze. I did the one cover for her. I believe it was Ancient Dreams. I just had crazy fun with it. She just said, you know, I think it would look 
cool to have her be in a fountain and do this kind of pose. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I imagined her too. So let's do it. I don't think she even had any notes. Like it was just a breeze. Like she's a great person and super funny. And another cover that I found to be fun, and I have to speak about it because I love Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson is really cool, and he does a comic called Geek Girl that is super indie, and you worked on, I believe, Geek Girl number five for his Kickstarter. What was that like? Because I love this cover. Oh, thank you. Sam was actually super easygoing as well. I've been so lucky that pretty much every work that I've gotten so far, everyone's been super friendly and just happy with whatever I produce. Like, I'm so blessed. So with Sam, you know, I just sent out a few different layouts, and he said, I like them all. I like this one the most, so let's go from there. And then I painted it up, and he loved it. I don't think there was even any notes. Yeah, that guy was super super nice amazing guy that guy works so hard he is so passionate and i'm passionate with my art so it worked really well and i am curious because this is a kickstarter exclusive and kickstarter in many ways is the future of comics in so many different facets of so many more stories being told what is it like for you to almost have an exclusive kickstarter out there kind of before you broke out and a lot of people knew who you were in my opinion at the least I was just glad that I could be part of it. I was actually just still learning about Kickstarters. I didn't really understand them very much. So yeah, no, just being part of one of them, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like people actually want to collect my artwork. Wow. Like, thank you. And then the other indie project before we get into Zenscope that I want to talk about is Monsterella. And I believe you worked on the third issue of that for a cover. So what is Monsterella for starters? Because I don't know how many people listening actually know what that comic is. She's a little bit like Vampirella. I know Nevin. Nevin lives on Vancouver Island. So I met him at a convention around the towns I live in. And he said, oh, I love your art. And I didn't know who he was. And would you like to do a cover for my comic book? I said, yeah, of course I'd love to. And then it went from there. I actually did three, maybe four images for him. I did the very first one, not the second one. I did the third and then I did an exclusive, an exclusive summer special one for him. So Monsterella is like a Vampirella kind of comic where she introduces short stories and she has her story of her own and she's this space warrior. She fights monsters. It's pretty cool. And it's old school because it's all in black and white. So for me to kind of add color and life to it on the front is pretty cool. Nevin's a really, really nice guy. and I'm really blessed to know him. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. And talk a little bit more about this comic that you did the cover for. it. I believe it was issue number three and I believe you did two covers or did you do three with it and what was that like because they're different and they're really cool i did cover a and c i believe and there's tentacles in both of them one's a portrait and the other one is she's got a gun i think yeah those are the two that i'm talking about where did the inspiration come for both of those well definitely space and monsters and i think personally tentacles are terrifying so i thought a sexy girl and tentacles that really goes well together in my opinion because it's scary and weird and and there's actually the big octopus tentacly looking thing that she fights in the story. So that actually comes from Nevin's mind. And now we're going to change gears and brought up a lot of these comics because a bunch of them intersected with your work and getting involved with Zenscope. And I'm very curious because that's how a lot of people know you. That's how I know you. How did you first initially get involved with Zenscope and discover them and really get hired to do a cover for them. 
Well, I was emailed, actually, Dave Franchini emailed me asking if I was interested in doing some cover work. And I said, yes, of course. And I'll tell you why. It's because I was obsessed with Zenoscope, especially the Wonderland series. I love them. They're so dark and twisted. And I love dark, twisted and sexy altogether. That's kind of my thing. So when I got an email from Zenoscope, I was like, this is a prank. Somebody's pranking me. But no, it was really Dave. And I said, yeah, of course. And they've loved everything that I've done for them ever since. I hope to keep working for them because they're really amazing. And now let's talk about your first cover, which I believe you just informed everyone maybe two weeks ago. It was the Black Knight book you did on the Zenscope live chat slash virtual con that we're going to be pushing out. And they're going to be doing some more of those. So look out for that, everybody. Shout out to Zenscope. But how'd you get involved to do that cover? And what was that experience like? So Black Knight was my very first cover. And it was Dave Franchini that kind of had the idea. Said, we're thinking about doing Black Knight. Send us some layouts and we'll go from there. So I read a little bit about her story and I just liked how stoic she was with her shield and her sword. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do something with the shield and definitely with the sword. I'd have to pull out the layouts and see what they looked like. They were all pretty different. Some of them were more like the imagery was more static and then they went and picked the one that had more fluidity to it, more action. And that was the one we went for. I wanted to focus more on her blonde hair and just make it really nice and bright. So when you were creating it, were there any guidelines that were issued to you or was it more free-flowing and just come up with three or four ideas? It was super free-flowing. Yeah, come up with ideas. That's basically what it was. I read the story and I usually do three or four different layouts and then this one got picked and I just painted it up. I don't think there was even any notes to that one either. It's very unusual. Most of the time there are notes. The publisher will come back and say, we want this to be a little bit different or that to be a little bit different, but not for Black Knight. It was just straight up. They just loved it. And now after your first cover that you did with Black Knight, you have done so many covers and I love so many of them and I want to talk about several of them and the first two that I want to talk about is Gretel, your Dorothy cover that you did and your Van Helsing Christmas cover because I think those covers really showcase what you do and I love them and I'm just so curious on how you came up with the concepts for them and what it meant for you to draw those different characters being a fan of Zenscope. Well, the inspiration comes from the story and the actual grim fairy tale itself, like Dorothy, and it had to have some kind of Emerald City background to it. So let's talk about that. When we go build a cover, how much influence of the story do you know versus not knowing it? Because grim fairy tales does stories for those who don't know. They have different interpretations. So, for instance, their Wonderland story starts at a very different point than when the Alice in Wonderland stories began. And so how much information do you have about the stories when you're given a cover and you're requested to do a particular topic such as a Gretel versus a Dorothy versus a Van Helsing versus Dracula? So I get sent just images of previous artwork and I just work off of visually what I'm given. I don't usually know exactly what's going on in the story and I'm not really given any of the story points either. So I usually use the visual aspect of the art that I'm given and then poses and stuff like that too. But I just try to use my imagination like in this picture she's in that setting but over here there's this background or over here she's wearing this or that. So I just try to imagine like what would it look like if I put all those three things together and make a visually a appealing cover as well and then some story in her eyes like there's something going on there like maybe she's holding the sword because she's ready to pounce on someone or she's just being photographed really quickly before she goes on her adventure so that's kind of what I go for with my imagery and even to speak further because I'm curious because obviously 
we're going to talk about your Valentine's Day cover in a minute here, but you do have a Christmas cover. So what was that like to really get to even play with that? Because that's a unique holiday. Obviously, the world, for the most part, celebrates Christmas. So what was it like to get to incorporate Christmas elements into a cover? Because I believe that was your first Christmas cover you ever did. I never thought I would draw a Christmas tree in my life. So it was actually really fun. But Xenoscope already had some ideas of what they wanted her to wear. And so I just kind of went with that and the pose that they wanted her in. So I went with that and I just kind of put my own twist into it. And of course, I always give them a few different layouts. And that one was just so easy. I love painting latex. It's like one of my favorite things to paint. So I had a blast with that one. And I love putting little Easter eggs. Did you see where I signed my name in that one? Where did you sign your name for those who can't see or can't get the cover now so they could be upset about it? So there's little presents all around her at the bottom there. And on one of the presents, instead of saying from Santa, it says from sun. I thought that was kind of cute. And to continue speaking about this cover, and we might be getting slightly controversial here, but there is a Z-rated cover of this. So what was that like getting to do a Z-rated cover? And those are, I believe, 100 print runs, if I'm correct on that? Yes, I believe so. So I actually really love drawing nudity. I think it speaks a lot to being a kid and reading a heavy metal magazine. It was just normal to me. So I actually have a lot of fun and I'm going to do more of it in the future. I think tasteful nudity is great. So when I was a little girl, one of the biggest artists that I followed was Olivia de Berardini. Hope I'm saying her name right. But she was like my idol and she did a lot of tasteful nudity. So I tried to take that into my own art as well because I am a fan of that. And to talk about that a little bit, because Zenscope does do tasteful nudity very well. And so what is that? that like to be working for a company that grants you this opportunity and it's almost applauded and wanted by fans and fans appreciate it and appreciate the way it's done versus other companies that don't do it as tasteful for lack of a better word. It's pretty amazing, actually. I wouldn't work for a company that wouldn't do it tastefully. You know, if I'm in the middle of painting, I always tell myself it's a hard job, but someone's got to do it. I'm joking, of course, but it's a lot of fun. It's a dream come true for me. And speaking about that, I think this is a good time to bring up how you actually physically make a cover or digitally because you're a digital artist so what is that like because obviously if you draw a character and i'm not an artist so correct me if i'm wrong but if you draw a character with clothes on it might not be so hard to take those clothes off for lack of a better word and i'm saying this in probably the worst way everybody and i'm well aware of how it sounds but i think we get the idea so how do you go and actually build your covers It's actually pretty easy, like doing the topless patch. What I do is I first I paint the regular cover and then I go over top of it on another layer and just add that skin color over top. And then over top of that, then I paint either lingerie or just nude. And because I've learned a lot about the shaping and shading, that it's actually probably the easiest part for me is doing over top of already finished cover. And to talk about a cover that could probably exemplify this when people see it is your Valentine's Day cover, which has a regular cover and a Z-rated cover. I believe they are completely sold out. And you did this character with Van Helsing, and I love Van Helsing. So what is that like to do this type of cover, so tastefully done, both the regular cover and the nude cover, and to add Valentine's Day into the mixture? I had a lot of fun with this one. I wanted to keep the colors very red because Valentine's Day, of course. The idea of actually the petals falling down was Dave's. And I have to congratulate him for that because it just really, really worked for this. And I wanted her to look like she was ready for a fight to keep her stakes that she's got on her hip. Because you just never know. Even though you're meeting up with your lover, he might end up being a vampire. You might have to stab him. 
And you just mentioned that Dave gave you the ideas for the pedals to incorporate them in. What is that like to get direction and then incorporate it in and for that direction to actually work and to improve in? How do you take direction? Because sometimes, you know, people don't take direction well as artists. Oh, I love direction. I do. I think that I can execute decently well. So when a publisher gives me direction, especially when it's one that I agree with, I love it. It just makes my job so much easier. But sometimes I do have ideas that can enhance the image. So I'll say, what about this? Or in the layout, I'll kind of hint at it. The best covers, in my opinion, are the ones where both the publisher and I kind of meshed our ideas together. That's really what happened with that one, with the Van Helsing Valentine's Day. It was the petals falling down and then the rose and then the stakes on her thigh. I thought it would make for a nice cover. And obviously, this is a very fun cover. It's a very sexy cover. It's perfect for Valentine's Day. And I do want to talk about three more fun covers. And I'm only going to talk about the first two right this second. And that is your Sonic the Hedgehog cover for Labor Day. And there was a nude cover of that. And then your awesome Kylo Ren. Or is Kylo Ren cosplaying as a particular character from Zenscope? And only you can answer that question if you choose to. And that's from Star Wars. So what was that like? building these two covers because they're also extremely fun and the Kylo Ren cover is really popular and well sought after. I like to nickname her Skylo Ren because it's actually Sky wearing a Kylo Ren cosplay. So that one was a lot of fun, obviously, because I love Star Wars. And I actually really like the new Star Wars films. And also painting her in black latex was like, this is the best day of my life. No complaints there. And then with Sonic, I kind of had the same idea as the Legend of Zelda, where I wanted her to be in the game, dressed like Sonic, but almost as if she was him. So, you know, running after those rings and catching them and just kind of having a bit of a rest there. So I just thought that'd be kind of fun to illustrate. And we're going to talk about that Legend of Zelda in one second, but Paul Green has done so many Star Wars covers for Zenscope and oh, only a-, a few other artists have done Star Wars covers. So what is that like for you to get to do a Star Wars cover and be in that category? Because it's almost a subcategory of Zenscope. It's pretty surreal. I had to pinch myself a couple times because, like, wow, I got to paint Sky as Kylo Ren. And that felt so surreal to me. I've got to be one of the luckiest artists in the world. And now you mentioned it. And this is dealing with Emerald City Comic Con, which, for those who don't know, was postponed and there was a lot of stuff going on with it. But you arguably have one of the best Zenscope covers from that convention, and that is your Legend of Zelda cover out there. And Navi's in it, and Death Mountain's in it, and the Hyrule Shield's in it. And so what was that like as it is sold out currently on Zenscope? What was that entire cover building like? And given that it is video game-esque... And given that, you know, it's kind of a silver lining in the entire Emerald City Comic Con situation. Not that you made it purposely for that circumstance. I want to make that clear, but it is something that sort of made it better. That it was released when it was released, per se. So I have played almost every Zelda game. So when I got the email, hey, do you want to draw, you know, Red Riding Hood as Link from Legend of Zelda? I said, you've got to be kidding me. I've played every game. I just finished the latest one for Switch. It was like a remake. I just finished that one and it was so cute. But the first Zelda game that I played was the one for 64 and it was the Ocarina of Time. And so for me, I wanted to kind of revisit that and I wanted to see, okay, well, what if she was trapped in the game and the only way that she could like escape it was to beat it. I thought that'd be kind of cool. And Dave kind of went for it. He just 
thought that was cool. So I painted it up, you know, with Death Mountain in the background and Navi. And I realized now that the kids probably playing it probably don't know who Navi is because that little fairy is not in the new games anymore, right? So I wanted to kind of bring back the old school Legend of Zelda, the one that I remember from when I was a kid. I know there's one previous to that, but my generation was Nintendo 64. And one of the cool things about this cover is that it's sold out, as I mentioned, and it went hot. So what is that like when you have a cover that is extremely sought after? It's very surreal. I just get nervous thinking about it because I'm just so grateful that people love it as much as I love painting it. I'm just so grateful to everybody out there who loves my cover and bought it and added it to their collection. Thank you. Make my little girl dream come true. And to talk about several of these covers that we covered, and there's a few covers that we didn't mention, but a lot of these covers have limited print runs. Sometimes there are three. 350, sometimes they're 300, sometimes they're 250, sometimes they're 100. So what is that like for you that your work in many aspects with Zenscope is somewhat limited and there is more of a demand than supply out there for these covers as well as them being exclusive to conventions? Well, I think it's a double-edged sword. In one sense, it would be nice to get more of a broader kind of audience and have more copies available. But I actually really like that it's limited. To be honest, I do, because it just shows that the publishing company likes my art enough to want to limit it as part of the high-end books, they said. So that makes my heart super squishy. And I'm just so grateful that they love it enough to want to put it in their high-end section. It just means that they love it, and everyone loves it. I'm glad for that. And now we're going to change gears slightly again. And I'm curious because I asked Keith Garvey this question and I'm going to label you as something and you could disagree with me, but you and Keith are kind of the it kids at Zenscope where your covers are very much in demand and you're very popular, the two of you. And I'm curious as to what you feel makes a good cover because you've done things for Zenscope and you've done covers outside of Zenscope. So what do you feel makes a good cover a good cover? For me, I think it would be the composition and the color. I always like to try to make it nice and bright because I have a bit of background in printing. I've done a lot of my own prints and I've just noticed that if the colors are nice and bright and the composition works, it makes for a good print. And that's what's really, really important because at the end of the day, if it looks great on the computer, then that's great. But if it doesn't look good in print, then that's a problem. So I'm always thinking, what's it going to look like when it goes to the printer? What colors are going to print well and what colors aren't? So there's definitely some planning involved with that. And now, before we go, I do want to cover a few more covers of yours as well as talk about your graphic novel that is coming out in some of your prints. And so the covers I want to talk about is your connecting Vampirella and Red Sonia because I love the way that looks. And I believe that's with a particular comic shop. So what was that like and how did that come to fruition? Because it's one of your first sort of exclusives. It's definitely my first connecting cover exclusive. It was actually a lot of fun. It was challenging too because the pictures have to look good on their own as their own cover, but then they have to look good put together. So that was the challenging part. And I'd never done anything like that before. So I had to think of like, okay, so when the two are put together, it has to be a good connection. And it was, but it was very, very challenging. I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was still a fun one. And I tried to make the characters pop out like they were the last ones alive after a big fight. And what is it like working for an exclusive comic shop as well as it's a Dynamite product versus other company and it's kind of one of your early works with Dynamite. So what is that like to getting to work with these characters and really have something 
limitedly available. It's amazing. Red Sonia and Vampirella were two characters I've always wanted to paint, period. Even just fan art. So for it to be official and actually printed as a dynamite comic, it's just an amazing feeling. I finally feel like I did something amazing with my life. So there it is. And then going beyond, you just got the opportunity to do a cover for Mercy by Image. And that cover, oh my god, that cover's amazing in its own right. That thing is Zen Scope on an Image book, to put it bluntly. What is that like? Because Mercy's getting a lot of hype right now, and it looks amazing. The comic seems to be a great story. So what is that like to be on the ground floor with a kick-ass cover on top of a book that's shooting up really nicely? That one was actually a lot of fun to work on because there was so much mystery around the character. No one knew who she was, what she did, what was that alien flower looking thing. And I didn't know either. So when I got asked to do it, I had some artwork that Mirka had done. Amazing, amazing artist. So I wanted to add that mystery into it as well. Like, who is she? And let's all try and figure it out together. Let's all read the story and find out, right? What was that thing she's holding? And I wanted it to really glow and be this ethereal kind of being that was uh, part of her right and just that look in her eye like she's crying i saw one of the ones murka had done one of the covers she had done and she was crying these purple tears and i thought that was so beautiful so i wanted to incorporate that as well into the cover and this is your first image book so what is it like to work on an image book and now be involved in that publisher to some degree and have your work now in that sector because image is definitely the place for independent artists and writers and creators so what is it kind of like to be in that space because you're branching out it was really cool to add image to my belt for sure i hope to work with them some more with my own projects as well and super easy i don't think i had any notes on that one i think it was super fluid and easy to work with them i think that them being independent actually helps they let the artist create their own idea of what the image should look like and the story and everything and that was the whole point of image and the whole reason why they founded was to keep the artist in power so really really cool to be part of that and i hope to do more in the future and we're going to back out of comics and talk about some of your prints really quickly. And you have some Zensco prints up for sale on your website. And you have a few Sailor Moon prints and you have a few other things that you have done. So what is that like to create prints and have prints and to do that art? Because it's similar and it's in a very similar style to a lot of your covers are. But you also get to do things that are not necessarily comic oriented but more anime or more original works of art i'm a huge nerd basically so sailor moon i grew up reading it i loved it you grew up watching the anime and so i thought what would she look like if i painted her in my style so i did that and offering it as a print of course because it's our way to try to support ourselves it's some money coming in and it seems to touch people's hearts as well i've given them away as gifts too people love them my stepkids actually have sailor moon and spawn hanging in their bedroom right now i didn't coerce them into it they just love it so i'm glad that i can help with prints and people hanging on the walls i'm glad that I can help create some imagination for everybody. And then we tabled it earlier on, but I do want to talk about Ormus, your graphic novel is. So I don't know anything about this. I don't know if anybody knows anything about this, but this is the time. When is it expected to come out? What is it going to be dealing with? So what I'm going to say about Ormus right now is that it's still under wraps. There's going to be more information coming out soon. I did some concept artwork actually a few years ago now because this is a story that's been in my mind since I was about 14, 15. And I've been wanting to tell it. So we'll just see. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a sci-fi fantasy. And we're just going to leave it at that. 
as we just covered a lot of different topics and talking a lot about the coverage you've done and the art you've done. And I am curious and many others are curious as to what advice you have for people who want to become involved in this industry, either as a writer or an artist or doing cover art or some type of art involving comics. So the best advice that I have for anybody who wants to get in is to create content. Find out exactly what you want to do. That's number one. Because if you don't know what you're creating content for, then you're not going to get there. So for me, it was, okay, I want to do covers and I want to do comics. So what did I do? I drew pictures that I thought could go on covers and then post it online. You have to show your stuff. Put your signature on there. Make sure that people can find your Instagram and your Facebook. And then just let it take off. Let the internet do its thing. Let people share it. That's the way to get in. You have to show your work and you have to keep going. I think one of the best advice I was ever given was to be prolific and keep drawing as much as possible. Keep drawing and drawing and drawing until your hands are too tired. And eventually you're going to get really good and then you're going to get work because there's always work for great artists. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, website, merch? So I'm active on Instagram and it's at Kamonaki or Facebook. You can add me. I'm friendly. Or my page is Art of Sun Kamonaki or my website is sunkamonaki.com. So all those three places are the best way to get a hold of me. As always, everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can definitely check us out at popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as give us a follow on Twitter at popanimecomics. Check out my Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics. Follow me on Instagram, popanimecomics. As well as you can buy my t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Type in Pop Anime Comics. It'll bring you right up. It's an elf holding a steel chair. And she does not want to have to come to your house and hit you with it over and over and over until you buy it. So please save yourself and my elf from hurting you. And just buy the shirt in a peaceful, comforting manner in your house. And until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.